Welcome everybody to the Voices from the Northeast Podcast. Morning podcasters. You know, I was born in North Seaton Colliery. When I, when I were a lad, I should have remembered that because my mother used to work for them. I'm champion for me, absolutely fine. And who doesn't make the selection box for breakfast? Eee, that was Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, it's been a little while since we recorded the, the last episode, and, and it's been a while since you were on the show with me. It is. I've had quite a break, but it's nice to be back, especially for this episode with Helen. Uh, yeah, so this is a, a, an interview with... Helen Aitchison. Yep. Um and I recorded this interview. Uh, you were you were putting James to bed, weren't you? I was, yeah. I, I was very much looking forward to being part of this call, but our son had other ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I think we'd been too cocky and saying he's finally starting to go to sleep in a good time. I'm blaming Paul. I think he jinxed it in even saying that yeah, out loud. I probably did. I probably but no, did. you were you were full of very fantastic things after speaking to Helen. You you came away and said you were going to be really sorry to have missed that. Yeah. Um, so this is Helen Aitchison, and uh, Helen is a Northeast-based author, and I recorded this interview over the phone with Helen um, a little while ago now, actually, because Helen has a new book out, and the book is called Veterans' Voices, Stories of Conflict, Courage, and Camaraderie, to make sure my teeth were in for camaraderie <laughs> there, um, and it's all about, it, it's it's real stories of real veterans, all from the Northeast, and it talks about their experiences in and after various conflicts. Um, and I've, I've got a copy of the book in front of me right now. You can't see it, but that's the sound of me flicking through Ooh. the pages. I know, it's for, for, for radio. Yeah. Ooh, S-F-X. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, it's a lovely book. You can get it on Amazon. It is really nice. Um, and I spoke to uh, Helen about the book before it was released um, it's a really lovely interview um, so we'll dive straight in and play the interview and we'll chat to you a bit about it afterwards so here's my interview with Helen I guess that the important thing for me to, that I always say to people because I think a lot of my my kind of way is to try and inspire people and I never wanted to write I, I never wrote when I was younger um for 20 years I worked in health and social care here in the northeast so right. I started off um working in refuges with women who had experienced domestic abuse and then um I went to do social work and I studied social work I did social work for a bit and then I went back into the the kind of charity sector um again with sort of victims high-risk victims of domestic abuses and edfa um and then for the last 15 years i worked for a, a national charity um around homelessness so by the time i, I kind of left that job it just last month well at the end of end of august i basically was an area manager and i overseen projects from berwick down to middlesbrough um, oh, kind of managing projects around homeless complex needs people um people fleeing domestic abuse and exploitation and young people leaving care um but during the 15 years working there i had a really wide portfolio of different types of services um supporting people with, with really complex needs and just social issues marginalized groups 
and that's always what I've done um you know for 20 years that's that's what I've done and then I guess I got into writing is is a stress release I would say but (laughs) from a really hectic day job but before that there was a few steps that got me into that position to be honest and one was that I began reading again um Mm -hmm. And I hadn't read for, for years because work got in the way and oh, life yeah. got in the way. And I was always too busy um, as we are. And I began I began reading and actually read a book um, from a colleague from his experience of being in the police. And I was just like, this is brilliant. And it really ignited the spark of reading again. So I started devouring books and I was reading kind of 50, 60, 70 a year and just really enjoying them. Um, and then I went on holiday and I read a book called um, The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Album. Oh, yeah. Um, he was a brilliant author. And I read this book on holiday and I, I kind of closed the book and I just thought this is going to stay with me forever, this book. And it really touched touched a nerve, touched my heart, you know, and I thought this is brilliant. You know, I was so, it was so poignant in the way that he had kind of knit those words together so beautifully. It just left us a massive imprint and I thought, I want to write something that makes someone feel like I feel now, reading this book and shutting this book. Um, so I came back from holiday and there was a, a competition with live theatre in Newcastle, mm-hmm. a playwriting um, competition. So I entered and I got a place on the course. Um, mm-hmm. And I went along and there was loads of experienced people there, Paul, and they're all like, we've had plays produced on this radio and that. And yeah. I'm an English literature student. I was like, I write emails. That's all I do. <laughs> I write loads and loads of emails every week and that's all I do. Um, but the people were brilliant and I learned loads and it, it just, it was all these little things coming together and I thought, actually, I'm going to try. So I began writing, I was writing poetry and short stories and just experimenting with genre. Um, mm-hmm. And I started sending things off and they were getting published. I thought, there can't be that crap, you know, there's yeah. got to be something in here. It's kind of be that rubbish. Um and I just got the book and I, I fell in love with with writing and, you know, characters were coming alive in my head. I just, I, my brain was in overdrive. And I started writing The Dinner Club um, in November 2019. Um, and when I was writing it, I was still working, you know, I was working kind of 40 hours plus a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just couldn't stop once I started. And one of the characters was based on my grandma, Florence. Um, and my grandma died suddenly on Christmas Day that year. Okay. So... I, I was writing through my grief and it became really cathartic for me to write. Um, at the same time, it was breaking my heart. I would look at a little picture of us. I was writing and I just felt I had to finish this book. So I finished it. Um, and then I thought, what, what, what do I do with it? You know, I had no experience. Um, I knew there was, I knew vaguely options about getting things published. And I thought, well, I, you know, I'll just try. So I sent it off to a few competitions. I didn't get anywhere. Um and then I thought, right, I'm going to send it off to some publishing houses, some traditional publishers. And I sent it to three and I got offers for two. Oh, wow. um, so I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, so it was just a whole new world. I was totally naive. Um, but I found the right publisher for me, um, K. Hill Davis Publishing, who were brilliant. Um, and then that was it. That was the start of the dinner club. And it, it took a year, but it was released in March this year. Um, and I took some time off work. I took a sabbatical. And it was for the first time I've never been off in my life. So it was the first time in 15 years at the organisation that I took some time off. And it was all for the launch and just kind of, you know, doing the marketing mm-hmm. uh, and working with a publisher. Um, and I just thought, I don't want to go back. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, um, I don't want to go back. You know, and, and I kind of, there was a lot of my job that I loved, but there was a lot that was really stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I just thought this is like a new opportunity and I knew I wouldn't be able to continue writing working in that field because it was very emotionally draining and very physically yeah. demanding and um you know unpredictable so I thought what can I do and I wanted to combine my kind of newfound love of writing with me real passion for social injustice and working with marginalized groups so I set up a community interest company and I worked with the business factory in North Tyneside um, and registered this the me company right on the town um, so basically right on the town is um, non-profit it's got charitable aims but it means that I can work with um, community groups and teach teach creative writing and creative expression to community groups in their safe place. Right. Um, you know, rather than having to go to maybe college or university, it's about taking services to the community and working with people who are um, marginalised or have got complex needs or are in recovery um, who have got a voice and, you know, want to tell the story. And, and I believe we all have a voice and I believe we should all, you know, talk that voice and share a narrative um but alongside that Paul it means that I can also kind of do private work for people so it's about being inclusive and being available for everyone um so within right on the time I, I deliver creative writing I'm a trained um, adult tutor so I'm combining all my sort of skills um in delivering a range of of creative writing courses to the community across the northeast um and on top of that, I do commissioned work, so commissioned pieces about getting community groups' voices documented oh, and published right. um, and just really letting people express themselves. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of therapy, but also about people. There's so many stories in the Northeast. You know, there's, so well, yeah, many, yeah. there's a rich narrative and people, people think that no one wants to hear the stories and people absolutely do. Yes, um, no, I agree. I've just been teaching. Yeah. I've, 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 we've just started a, a podcast club after school for kids mm. at school. And, and I had this exact conversation with children uh. today where one of them said, oh, well, I mean, I haven't got much to say, though. And I said, oh. I can tell you now, I said to this little lad, Jacob, I said, every single person I have spoken to on our podcast starts out with that exact sentence. And yeah. an hour and a half later, I'm left thinking, right, how do I edit this into the best bits? You know, I said, oh, everyone's yeah. got something that they can tell you. That's um, lovely. And that's what I yeah. want to do. You know what you're doing there, poor at school. Like, get the Northeast talking. Mm. Um, so... I set up the, the kick in May and then I left my job at the end of August and I've just been working since, you know, trying to establish the business. But um, the 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 book that I'm releasing through Right on the Tyne um, with Operation Veteran came about um, in late summer. So it came about from some money from the National Lottery, which was the Queen's Platinum Jubilee Fund. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Operation Veteran, who are brilliant, they're a, they're a, um, they're also a community interest company based in North Shields, and they work with veterans across the kind of northeast. Um, and all the services are free. They have support for veterans and the families. They have a range of activities, and it's run by a veteran, the director's a veteran. So it, it's brilliant. Um, and they got in touch through the business factory and through this grant about doing something for like creative writing. Right. So when I when I read the spec, I was like, oh, this sounds brilliant. You know, people's stories. I've worked with veterans in the past. My dad's a veteran. So I was kind of interested. I had it, it already had an established interest. Um, and when I met them, I was just like, this is this is going to be amazing. I was like, oh, but, but I have to do something big. You know, I, was like, I don't just yeah. want to do something um, and publish something that's just, you know, bound 
you know, with a machine at work and it's kind of just printed off on A4 mm-hmm. paper. I want to do something big. Um, and it kind of just grew and grew, which was brilliant. But the, the veterans, they're all, they're all kind of saying, well, no one wants to hear my story, Pet, you know. <laughs> and I'm just like, they absolutely do. Like, you're a local hero. You're a legend, you know. Yeah. So they're just brilliant. So basically, Paul, it's a book of 22 stories of local heroes. Um and the, the age between 31 and 94. The, oh, the wow. Her, and it's over 70 years of conflict. So we're talking about um, references to the Second World War, the aftermath of the Second World War, Malia and Borneo conflict, Aden, Northern Ireland, the Falklands, Afghan, Iraq Gosh. and Syria. You mm. know, it's so, um, it's, it's so varied. Mm. We've got women in there, um, you know, we've got men in there, we've got some really, some older people, some younger people and different voices, really kind of eclectic voices. But they're all about conflict, courage and camaraderie. Um, and the stories, when I was listening to them and kind of documenting the stories of the, the veterans, there's so much more than the themes of kind of bravery and loyalty, resilience and friendship. There's, there's threads and readers will hear and, and be immersed in threads of love um, and of hope and of the determination of human spirit. And the stories are just, they're just so inspiring. Um, you know, for me as a writer, it was really emotional. It's been a really emotional, mm. it's been one of the best things I've done in my whole career, to be honest, but it's been such an emotional journey. But the people are just amazing. And what's really sad about this book is that a lot of the men who were older, um, you know, 70s, 80s, yeah. They've never talked to anyone, Paul. They've never, yeah. they've never spoke about what they've seen and they've never had the help and they don't think that their voice is important and these stories are some of the, the best stories I've, I've heard. Yeah. They're just amazing and I, and I hope that readers will, will kind of connect and even if they haven't been in the military or haven't got family in the military, there's the themes of love and the themes of friendship and resilience just totally shine through and it, it's just phenomenal. So it's been an absolute privilege to hear that you know the stories and the real kind of personal details that the heroes have, have, have been through you know in the army and then out in, in the forces and then outside in Civvy street you know the the things that the that we all have to go through you mm. know lots of, um struggles and um physical and mental health it's just they're just brilliant they're absolute heroes so it's been it's been amazing and I'm dead excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, did you sit down and, and sort of face to face interview all of these or did, was it, did you Skype them? Did you, did, was there, how, how did you go about actually talking to people to get these stories? It was all face to face with me dictaphone and some of those, some random stuff on the dictaphone, like talking about what we're having for tea, yeah. you know, and phone calls going off, but it was very much around um, what I, what I really wanted from this was for them to be able to tell their story and for me to not, put words in the mouth and as, yeah, a, as a writer you know I've, I've I've documented the story and I've added the senses and the metaphor but it was really important that it was their genuine experiences um and because there's so much there's so much detail with regards to the military it had to feel right for them you know that the, the language that was used that um the research on known when certain conflicts when getting it right for them was really important so yeah, it was it was face to face interviews, and then I kind of typed them up and and took them back to the veterans to check that they were happy with it. Did um, you feel Did you feel there was any? You know, you you, you talked there. I mean, my grandfather was in the Second World War, and he, he very rarely spoke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you Did you feel there was any 
difference between soldiers and, and, and those in the armed forces of older conflicts versus newer? Or did you find that actually there was a there was actually a real similarity there? That's really interesting, actually, and absolutely. Um, so a lot of the older people I spoke to, um, they just minimised everything. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. a guy in particular who's 70, who was in Northern Ireland, right. um, and he was a soldier first and foremost, but another role he had was a photographer. And he used to have to go and take photos of um, the terrorist attacks and dead bodies. Um, and, you know, you'd be looking out for terrorists to try and get... Um, photographs of them because they're mm. all plain clothed and some of the things he talked about were just beyond human comprehension I, you know I just couldn't understand and I said to him have you ever spoke to anyone and he said no I've never spoke to anyone apart from a social worker I came into his shop and asked asked a question he was a customer and it, they just got talking and <laughs> no, he, he said when I got back from Northern Ireland, he said, I, I used to hear a car and I just jumped to the ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and he was sobbing, this man. And I just thought, how this, no one's ever spoke to these people um, to find out, you know, how they are. And it's it's that whole kind of, um, you know, the stiff upper lip and yeah, the, the yeah. that we have still to this day about men asking for help Sorry. and being in And I found the younger people, um, and we had two, we interviewed two young women um, who were in the armed forces. They found it a lot easier, I think, to talk about the mental mm-hmm. health at the same time, but didn't get the support they needed. Um, you know, it's 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 just this whole, for me, it was around you become part of a machine before you're a human. Mm-hmm. And the generation had to deal with that as well as, you know, well, men don't ask for help and, um, you know, you, you, you just get on with it type of thing. So... It was it was really emotional for I think the the veterans and myself and yeah, um you know I think important that their legacy is documented um and you know for the family I mean it's it's just horrendous some of them were, were babies when they were going to war you know sixteen seventeen year old and yeah, yeah. we uh, we um I, when when the when the movie Saving Private Ryan came out mm-hmm. um we very naively my I, I can't remember how old I was maybe teens. Uh, me and my dad took my grandfather, who we knew had been in the Second World War, to see it because he'd always enjoyed watching things like The Longest Day and, and you know, The Great Escape. And, so. and it's the first time, and I've only seen him cry twice in my life, that I saw yeah. my granddad actually cry. And when we came out of the cinema, we said, well, what did you think of that then? And he uh, he just looked at me and he said, the only thing missing from that beach was the smell. Oh, God. And he'd never told me that he was part of the D-Day landings. Jeez. And this whole story came out when we in the car on the way home. And the, and the older I got, the, mo- the worse I even felt that we'd actually very naively thought he could sit through a movie about something as enormous mm-hmm. as the war. Um, especially, you know, that movie was totally different to all those films you'd seen in the past, you know, where the, the guys got shot, but you never really saw anything, you know. Um, and it was just incredible that I, th- I remember thinking, he's he's I've known this man for nearly 20 years and he's never mm-hmm. told me this, you know. Because just um, don't talk about it, Paul. Yeah. That's the thing, and it's it's kind of like none of these people see themselves as heroes, and then no, I, I they just did what they had to do at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like it was a job, it was the duty, and it's it's just been, you know, phenomenal. Um, you know, and I'm so pleased we're going to be able to bring it. Um, you know, the people were having a few launches, we've got a few um library events, and I guess a, a really special thing for me is that my dad's in the story. Oh, um, fab. And my dad doesn't access Operation Veteran. 
um but he's been in the TA for 43 years and for me I was I was interviewing my dad and um my dad got like the highest reservist medal from the Queen and he was nominated for an MBA and just wow. listening to him I was like yeah I didn't even know these things about my own father <laughs> you know what I mean? so it's, it's like, incredible isn't it it's, it's amazing so I'm so pleased and I just think for the for the veterans it's going to be so what are some of the events that you're going to do for um for sharing this with people? What Talk, talk mm-hmm. me through some of those things. So we've got a, a launch um, at Newcastle Library on the 8th of November. Um, and what we're doing is some of the veterans are going to be part of that. We're going to have um, a bit of a, a bit of a kind of summary of how the book came about and then some readings and some question and answers in some book signings um, and we've got a lovely slideshow which I still can't watch without crying so I'm <laughs> going to have to watch it and, and deal with it and be a hard lass from all's end that I am <laughs> instead of a, a crying mess um, and then we've got another event in December in December at, at Cramlington Library um, and we're hoping to do something in North Tyneside Libraries as well so people are super interested um, local bookshops are kind of interested in we're doing something as well so There'll be a number of events, um, you know, kind of towards the end of the year and then hopefully next year as well that really showcase. And for me, part of this book was around raising awareness and not forgetting history. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd love to get into schools, you know, in the future, I'd love forward to go into the schools and, and kind of share stories and yeah. just really, you know, raise awareness with the community um, of what of what's going on locally, you know, and who's these local heroes. I think the stories are just so important and Um, Well, I hope, as Justine pointed out before the interview, um, that you've picked up on the energy of Helen. Honestly, I came away from that interview feeling like I had sat um, through a workshop with a motivational speaker. So honestly, Helen, thank you very much for giving your time to talk to me there. Yeah, I'm not surprised that the book has got such a range of people's voices in there as well, because she very much comes across as um, a very warm and approachable person. Like, I imagine you would feel very comfortable sharing stories and experiences with Helen. I I can imagine so. You know, we'd exchanged a a couple of messages, a couple of emails. Um, I think we'd had to reschedule the interview a couple of times and um and we when she rang and picked up the phone within seconds we were i mean it was a long conversation actually and that's an edited down version for the podcast because we had a, a right old chat like it was a really lovely chat and conversation about um you know what motivates her what motivates people and then um as you've heard how she got into um, writing from a career that was extremely rewarding but mm. extremely tough career um, but incredibly important kind of work now and how her perspective I guess wasn't I'm doing this job and it's it's um, you know really involved in the social difficulties of of the region um, and I've and I've escaped from that into writing actually what she talks about is the fact that like first of all writing is a coping mechanism for the things she's dealing with in that job but then secondly how she still uses writing to support people in these areas like she's not writing um science fiction books you know about stories on other planets or romantic mm-hmm. novels she's 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 written this particular book here uh the veterans voices and she's going to people whose voices don't get heard and it made me think a little bit about um uh the theater group. yeah worky that's ticket exactly what i thought about yeah. it as well 
Um, you know, she talks about people who are marginalised, people who don't have platforms um, to have their voices heard. So, yeah, very much reminded me of that as well. Well, yeah, and I, and I thought that was just really... It, it was just really interesting to talk to somebody who was using their new career to still support people in areas that our old career um, affected. What I find quite fascinating is that this this book seems to have happened um, almost accidentally, but organically as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. Her other book, for anyone that's interested, um, now I haven't read this book, but I actually bought a copy and gave it to Mam. Yeah. Um, this is called The Dinner Club. And I discovered this book because I saw something on Instagram where it had been shared on Good Morning America, which is like their version of having um, Holly and Phil talk mm. about stuff, but is, you know, a hundred times bigger than, than that. And it was being shared on their book club. As, I as mean, a, that's as a phenomenal, book you isn't read. it? That... Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. And I, so I got a copy from Mam, and she thought, she actually said, it's not a book I would have picked up. But I'm really pleased she's I read thoroughly that. Enjoyed she thought it. it was great. Yeah, she has um, passed it on to me. It is on my on my list. It might might become a Christmas read over the holiday. Yeah, and the blurb on the back of that book starts with five people, five secrets, each needing healing, support, and acceptance. So that's an interesting one to start mm. with. Um, but yeah, I I just wanted to um, kind of give Helen the opportunity to share that with listeners because. Uh, our stories are all from the northeast and about the northeast, and obviously, particularly at this time, you know, we've just been at the remembrance um, ceremony at the weekend, and um, you know, watching our son march. There, yeah, we great. came away from the remembrance parade having a conversation with your mum and dad, and I guess it was building on a conversation you and I had about, you know, the people that you see turning up for those services now, and the people that you see wearing the poppies, and actually, it is. It's we've got the very final, I guess, people of a generation. Um, yeah, our connection with the, 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 the wars that, so we say, inspired that those ceremonies is disappearing. We're down to the last few people. I, I mean, I, we were watching our son march and, and there was all sorts of cubs, beavers, scouts, sea cadets, army cadets. And I suddenly realised that that march down the main street is completely different to when I was younger and there were older men guys in their 60s and 70s my grandfather and, and all his friends marching there's more young people marching now than there were back mm -hmm. then because the generation that fought through the second world war in particular which is my connection there are just they're not here anymore conflicts however haven't ended and exactly. that's there's some wonderful things in this book about that on, what were you say? Yeah, no, that's just that's exactly what I was going to say that it was funny that we were having that conversation yeah actually I don't know, people do tend to fall into the habit of, of talking um, about older veterans, particularly World War II veterans, but like you say, conflict still happens. You know, veterans' voices, there are people in, in that book in their, my age, if yeah. not like younger yeah. than me well, as well. I, I, I picked the I haven't read the whole book yet, but I started reading it in my lunch break the other day. Um, literally, it had come through the post on one night and I took it into work the next morning. And there's a, there's a one in here, a few few chapters in and this is uh, Andy Newman Andrew Newman he's 38 years old so he's younger than me um, and he served tours in Northern Ireland um, Iraq and Afghanistan um, and it, it, it's incredible uh, the work he, he does as well supporting veterans um, 
after having left the service himself. But one of the things he says at the beginning that I wrote here was, I wasn't looking to be a career soldier. I wanted a purpose. And this is a guy who had real difficulties at school. I think he goes on to talking about, um, uh, yeah, yeah, he was dyslexic in school. And it wasn't something that was recognised in the 1980s. And I can yeah. you know, attest to that because I'm dyslexic. And um, I know the closest I ever got was a pretty forward-thinking English teacher who thinks she'd, she'd read something about it being a word blindness is what it was then. Um, and, and that made his life, his academic life, very, very difficult and very isolating. So when he came out, he went into the armed services and I just thought that quote that that he wasn't looking for a career, he wanted a purpose mm-hmm. is really interesting. And, you know, there's some fantastic stories in here. Um, well, there are lots of different motivations covered for why people have ended up in the services. Yeah, I mean, there's the, and, and chapters. I mean, if I just read you the chapter headings, the scars of war, a new start direction. Uh, that was Andy's um, title for his section. Lifelong honour. Determination of the human spirit. Second World War is declared. Perfect palm reading prediction. Oh, I'm going to have to flick to that one. That could be interesting. Man up stood out to me. Yeah. Boys become men. Forces family life. And again, mm-hmm. links straight back in my head there. Yeah, immediately Magnolia to Walls. Magnolia Walls. So it's really interesting. And I'm really pleased that, you know, the variety of what we get to do on the podcast means we can talk to somebody like Helen who hopefully we'll talk to again and, and be involved in any project yeah. she has in the future. So, But I think because of those conversations we were happening, a book like Veterans Voices, you know, Helen's work and the people that she talks to is all the more relevant and important because you, you do need um, that reminder that, you know, when we think about veterans, we're not talking about men in the 90s. Yeah. We're talking yeah, about no. well, <laughs> men and women in late teens, yeah. In the twenties, in their thirties, who've got families, who've got friends, who, you know, perhaps planned very different lives, yeah. different outcomes, and it's happening now. It's happening today. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher. And my form class is sixth form, um, and I kind of, I thought actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this book as I get through it, and I think there's a few bits of this that I'm gonna try and share with the students in the morning when I have my mm-hmm. fifteen to twenty minutes with them to talk about anything I want. Um, and I think there's stories in here that I, I want to share with them. Um, I thought we'd just wrap up with, I'll read the bit off the back um, for anybody listening. So the book is Veterans Voices, Stories of Conflict, Courage and Camaraderie. You can get it on Amazon. Um, so here's from the back. It says, Veterans Voices tells the stories of 22 members of the British Armed Forces serving across seven decades of conflict. The journey of each veteran demonstrates a unique account of life as a service person with shared experiences of friendship, family, respect and honour. In partnership with Operation Veteran Northeast England, uh, read and connect with our heroes' voices through their stories of conflict, courage and camaraderie. So if you want to pick up a copy of that, it's on Amazon now. Um, and I honestly think it's the kind of book you should have a read of, especially at this time of year, but just generally to understand um, another group of people that are marginalised and quite hidden from we really. Thank you very much for listening. Take care of yourselves and we will be back soon. Bye for now.